Welcome to Brand Story Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Welcome to another edition of Brand Story Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman, and we're recording this episode on October 29th, 2021. Our guest today is Michael Roca, the Managing Director of Multicultural at the Agency PhD. Michael highlights the multicultural business imperative, love the word imperative, while elevating diversity of thought across the agency and has honed his crafts working alongside Fortune 500 marketing leaders such as Diageo, Google, P&G, Ford, and State Farm, among many others. I sought out Michael after our recent Latino Heritage Month slate of content as he penned some of the best ad age articles on this topic that I've seen. We'll list them in the show notes at TeamWorksMedia.com's Brand Story Inc. Content Hub. Uh, And we've had incredible response from you, the Brand Story Inc. listeners, on this topic of multicultural content with my particular focus on the Latinx audience. So this, in many ways, is an extension of that series. As our team at LaVita Sports always says, Latinx audiences are 24-7, 365, not just a Hispanic Heritage Month highlight. Throughout his career, Michael has had a proven track record of success in building culturally relevant and effective media strategies that drive brand growth and equity among multicultural and diverse segments. He has also helped marketers diversify the mix of their media suppliers by shining a bright light on the capabilities of BIPOC-owned, operated, and targeted media partners. He has a strong passion for diversity, equity, and inclusion, is currently the executive sponsor of Omnicon Media Group's Hispanic Latin ERG, while also sitting on the board of Omnicom's Hispanic Latinx ERG Ascento. Michael resides in the multicultural mecca of America, known as Miami, with his wife and their three children. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Jay. Thank you for having me. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, my friend. Well, let's start with your journey. Uh, I would love to hear the backstory on how you arrived at this moment as Managing Director of Multicultural at PhD. Yeah, so uh, a little bit about me. Born and raised in New York, uh, youngest of four boys to uh, parents who immigrated from Guatemala. Um, I went to uh, St. John's University in New York, so I'm a Johnny. Um, started my career at uh, Starcom MediaVest in New York. Jumped around at a few agencies uh, in New York before coming down to Miami uh, to, uh, to work at Omnicom at OMD at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there for a while, so I was uh, on that team that uh, really helped grow State Farm. Uh, to become one of the biggest uh, multicultural brands out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that really was uh, was a big part of kind of how I got to where I am now uh, is because of that brand and that experience and, and the teams that I work with. Um, I kind of left Omnicom for uh, about five years. I was on the client side for a bit. Uh, but for most of those five years, I spent my time at uh, Zuby Advertising in, in Miami, which is mm-hmm. now part of WPP, where I ran uh, the, uh, the multicultural business for Ford. Um, that was an amazing uh, part of, of my career, uh, great times at that agency with those teams. Mm-hmm. And then I came back to Omnicom. I, I uh, came back to uh, Hearts and Science to uh, work on the, uh, the P&G business. Which, as you know, is eight hundred pound gorilla, uh, <laughs> a multicultural perspective. Mm-hmm. A, a lot of tentacles there. 
Um, and then I moved within the Omnicom family to PhD a, co- a couple years ago uh, to spearhead multicultural on Google uh, and Diageo. And now, uh, you know, I have an elevated role at the agency where I lead uh, the entire multicultural practice uh, and work across all our brands. So, you know, uh, we have uh, VW, Audi, we just uh, won Chanel. So, um, you know, we've been on a roll in terms of new biz. Well, uh, so excited to thank you for sharing that because I think it's really great context for what we're going to dig into. My my one offbeat question is, do you have a Louis Conoseca sweater that, that you've taken along on this journey? <laughs> <laughs> I, I like those, uh, yeah, those, probably those ugly uh, oh, Christmas sweaters. Those are uh, classic. That Louis made famous in the 80s. Yeah. yeah. He's a character. All right, the mom explainer. I love, this is my favorite question because uh, my mom doesn't know what the hell I do for a living. But so I'm, I'm curious, how would you explain what PhD and you do to my mom or yours? So I love this question because my mom still thinks I'm in commercials on TV. (laughs) So she'll tell her friends like, yeah, my son's in commercials. Exactly. He he makes commercials. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think what I think for simple terms, you know, like how I tell my mom, like, you know, if you're reading a magazine or if you're watching your favorite TV show, my team is in charge of placing the advertising that you see there. Awesome. So when you're driving to the mall or to the supermarket and you see a billboard or you hear something in the radio in the car and you, you keep on seeing and hearing that commercial, that's that's our team at work. And awesome. we're doing our job if hopefully, you know, uh, we're targeting, uh, you know, women over 50. Yeah, it's funny. My uh, my <laughs> my oldest is in high school and she she came home one day from like when she was in third grade. I remember and they were like, tell you know how to explain what your parents do. And she said, my daddy makes movies for adults and they pay him money for them. And I was like, OK, we need to uh, change that. <laughs> we need to change that right now. That, I- <laughs> that is, that's hilarious. My kids, uh, you know, when we go to the upfront, you know, you get to see a lot of cool celebrities mm-hmm. and, you know, hang out with some of them. Um, and then my kids go through my phone and see all these pictures and they go to school and they're like, yeah, my dad's a celebrity. <laughs> I love it. All right, so on your on your day job, you've got a couple different levels, as we talked about in your bio, right? You got some big picture, um, I'd say more cross company strategic roles uh, as it relates to multicultural, and then there's the day to day work that you're doing. So, so take us through um, a a typical, not that there is one, but a typical day in your life, and what you're doing. Yeah, so a typical day is really kind of just leaning in. Uh, with uh, the leads of all of our businesses, right? Um, we, you know, they have a lot on their plate. And um, my job really is to help kind of shine a light on that, that, that multicultural business imperative, mm-hmm. the importance of diversity, and how does that manifest in the work that they're producing, mm-hmm. and how we as an agency need to act as an agent of change, right? Because we're in this climate where, if you're not focusing on 40% of America right now, mm-hmm. right, um, you probably won't be in business in the next, you know, 20 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think uh, the, the bottom line is going to drastically change in terms of where um, your your business is going to be coming from. And if you are not fostering a relationship with these consumers from a cultural perspective, you're losing out and you're, you're, you're pretty much uh, going to uh, leave a lot of money on the mm-hmm. table. 
So, um, you know, a, a typical day is just spending time, you know, education. Uh, like right after this session, I have a, a meeting with uh, one of our key clients to kind of talk about uh, this opportunity and how they can really start not just dipping their toes in the water, but just jump mm-hmm. in the pool, you know? Uh, and I think that's what brands need to start doing. Well, it's a great segue because I think in our recent uh – you know, Latino Heritage Month series that I mentioned, we dug in deep with each guest on what they're seeing in terms of marketplace recognition via investment specifically into the Latinx audience. What are you currently seeing? So I've been in the business for a long time. And I love, you know, I have a lot of peers in, in the business, many who you have interviewed on, on, on this podcast. And, you know, we talk about like the good old days, right? Where there were like, there were huge budgets. I think mm-hmm. after the 2000 census, a lot of brands woke mm-hmm. up to the fact that there are black and brown people in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. And that the U.S. is changing and a lot of brands really opened up uh, their wallets in terms of, hey, we need to allocate a uh, budget to these audiences. Mm-hmm. Um and then the 2008 financial crisis happened, right? Yeah. Um, and after that, you know, it was uh, funny how the the, the term uh, total market came mm-hmm. uh, came about, right? Um, and then most a lot of those budgets went away. A lot of those budgets went away. A lot of those dedicated teams went away. Um, and then, you know, I, after, you know, the last, last presidential election, you know, things started changing. Around, like, 2017, I started seeing, you know – Budgets start bouncing back, creatives start coming back, and then literally within the last, you know, 18 months, you know, um, post, you know, George Floyd's death, mm-hmm. there's been, and I have never seen this amount of interest uh, from many of our clients, uh, and the clients who have been there, you know, because there are clients that I've worked on personally, such as a Ford, that have been there every single day year you know like Mm -hmm. no matter what the cultural conversation is or whatever the narrative is they're there but there's a lot of brands that are waking up and they're and and dollars are flowing now back i think to these audiences specifically you know to the hispanic consumer because i think with hispanic consumer there's you know the language um uh portion of 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 planning right and you know we always tell uh, our clients like when we think of the hispanic market you can't automatically um I guess, uh, talk to language, like we need to talk to culture, but uh, that plays a big part in the planning process. And I I do see a huge interest in terms of how do we effectively reach and engage the Hispanic audience. And we're like, you know, at the end of the day, it's commitment. And those commitment uh, need to be followed by, you know, budgets. So I'm curious, I want to follow up on that specific point, because by any conceivable metric, the spending isn't even close to commensurate with the audience size and the buying power of the Latinx audience, right? It's a huge gap, right? The current U.S. population is just over 19% um, Latino or Latina, right? And so the, the spending is a fraction of that specifically to this market. So why do you believe this is? What's the holdback? I think it's um, it's part of the ecosystem, right? So, you know, um, if you look at um, the media, you know, landscape, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you have your Univisions and your Telemundos, which have been doing a great job in terms of building relevant mm-hmm. content for U.S. Hispanics, right? Mm-hmm. You know, for a long time, the, a lot of the pipeline from the content were coming from coming from Latin America. Um, and I think it's, it's really about educating the client on what is their brand business case, right? You have 
you know, as you said, a segment that's 20% of the population, almost 2 trillion in buying power. And the most amazing part of this segment is that they're so young, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, the youngest demographic. Yep. They're almost they're 30 years old. So you have a not only that they're 30 years old, but they're actually outliving um, non-white uh, Hispanics, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a, a, a consumer with a longer shelf life. And it's all about kind of how do we talk to this consumer, not just from a language perspective, right? Because, you know, 80% of Hispanics are, are perfectly bilingual, mm-hmm. but really from a cultural perspective. And you really, it takes two to tango, right? Because you need to have, you can have the most amazing Hispanic media plan out there, but if your uh, creative falls flat, then you just threw those dollars out the window, right? Mm-hmm. So really about kind of getting your creative, getting your media, and making sure that both are, are you know, have a, a chemistry, have, a, you know, a nice dynamic, um, and then seeing kind of what that delivers. And I think what happens also is the fact that many clients go out there, right, and they do their multicultural, I'm going to say this half-ass, right? They, mm-hmm. they go out there. Mm-hmm. spend two pennies and we expect these kpis and if it doesn't deliver then that's it we've done it and and we move on and i think you know um someone had mentioned this you know that would never happen in the general market right you never yeah. just go out we tested the general market we're not going to advertise anymore <laughs> it didn't work you know like you mm-hmm. just don't do that mm-hmm. and um that's i think that's why you you need the commitment so i think a lot of um, of the big advertisers that have propped up the Hispanic market for long. Those are the, you know, again, I always go back to Ford's because I think that's a great example. I think the auto industry, mm-hmm. the telecom industry are great uh, examples of uh, verticals that really do um, invest heavily and, and play a huge uh, proportion of what is spent in the multicultural uh, market. But I think what, to your point, like why is there such a disconnect in terms of, the investment and 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 the and the percentage of the the Hispanic um, uh, population in the U.S. is the fact that we need all the brands to jump in, right? Yeah, we need all of them. That is, it can't just everything can't just be on the shoulders of the big brands, right? You need those medium-sized brands and the smaller brands to to take a look at this at this audience. And I think another part of that too, Jay, is the fact that there is an unconscious bias uh, on yes. Hispanic. Right? Yes, both spoken. And I've spoken to folks in the media agencies and on some of my teams where they're like, you know, we were talking about a premium beer and uh, with someone, you know, and uh, within my organization, this was a while back, so I don't know if they're still here. But like, I remember her specifically telling me, yeah, this is a premium beer. And unfortunately, it's, it's, it's not gonna, there's not going to be a multicultural skew because of the price point. And I just, my, yes. I was like, hey, let's, yes. this yes. is where I'm in and start kind of schooling or educating people, right? Because they have, like, I think that notion, like, you really have to kind of nip it in the bud quickly uh, because what happens is the telephone game, that kind of spreads within the team and you, you need to stop that fast. Um, so I think that is a, a big handicap in terms of what, uh, kind of derails investment uh, within these audiences. Yeah, I mean, this becomes a, um, a challenging conversation for me as a middle-aged white guy in some respects because when I compare different uh, minority spending, I don't want it to come across as that I'm only for Latino. And so that's my caveat. But so here, here's my take. I'd love for you to... I, I think um, that media agencies and, and executives like you are, are, are positively skewed in a good way because... The, the Fords and the other companies you made, the state farms like the, that you've worked with, your current clients, they're the ones that are like, we're in. 
right? They, they've committed to go to PhD because they've seen the light and you guys are, uh, you know, assuming you guys are, I'm assuming you guys are doing great work. And, you know, those are the, those are the converted, like to your point, uh, what I'm seeing are the ones who middle-aged white dudes making decisions are being like, yeah, but you know, we gave some money to Univision. We did some Spanish. We, we checked that box, right? Like there is such a, I am seeing firsthand such an ignorance to even get past those barriers to get in the game. And what you just said, I mean, call it what you want. I'll call it systemic racism, right? Like this notion that um, the Latino, you know, the, the Latino portion is just, a, a, is poor. And therefore, I mean, it comes out in the most veiled, just like you just, that beer example, I, I've seen 20 different examples of things like that, right? People asking, well, what percentage of US Latinos have internet access was one question I got asked. And I was like, holy shit, are you kidding me? You know? And so yeah. we're like, okay, team, in our decks, make sure we we put how much the youth and over-index on media consumption and technology Latinos are compared to any other ethnic group. Like, slide number one. Like, we got to, like, be over the, over the head. And so, I, but I do think the complexity of, like, the language for someone who is not even elementary school versed in terms of the, the u.s latin audience it like quite literally is like latino equals spanish and and, and we're in the year 2021 and i i don't know maybe i sh- maybe i shouldn't be but i'm i'm shocked at how far we have to go in this so yeah. i don't know what's your take on what i'm saying is that no and completely valid and you know uh just to, to build on that um I always tell our teams, you know, you got to take the me out of media, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're yes, living in New York, you're living in LA, you're living in Chicago. Mm-hmm. The, the folks around you don't make up who the consumer is, you mm-hmm. know, and to the point, uh, you know, that I, that I mentioned earlier with that, that one experience was the fact that, you know, I, I told this person, you know, have you ever been to Houston? Have you ever been to Miami? Have you ever been to Southern California where you do see, uh, you know, prosperity within these consumer groups, you know, have you ever been to Atlanta and, you know, like, yeah. you, you have to go out of your, uh, you know, bubbles. Cause I think a lot of our industry, uh, on the eighties side, we were, we're, you know, these, these, these media bubbles mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you have many of our clients, you know, some who are in the Midwest who, who, yep. who aren't close to multicultural America. Right. Mm-hmm. So, all of the, you know the decades and decades of uh, stereotypes uh, that that kind of is seeded into like what you think of um, you know these consumers. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm seeing the, the place I'm seeing change is in the media companies, right? And and I think that's good because I was on a call recently with a um, media company, a national media company that has a Chicago presence, and they were uh, extremely well versed in this market. And there were definite diversity on the call, but there were no Latinos on the other end of the call uh, or Latinas. And what was interesting was like, they, they're like, um, the president was on the call and the president of the local uh, affiliate was on the call. And they're like, okay, this is, this is business because they're like the first time in the history of uh, local Chicago media, Univision won every time slot in prime time. First time it ever happened, uh, and, and just kicked every other network's butt, right? And they're like, okay, we are. And, and, the, and it was kind of like 
the numbers don't lie. And I think it, it kind of t- it, it's taking that kind of in your faceness, I think, to kind of change conversations. And so, but to that, and I want to flip to you, and and I'd love for you to share. Um, I've been so intrigued by your articles, which we're listing in our show notes. But talk about a recent or favorite PhD client that you've worked on that kind of illustrates uh, the pride around how you you and your colleagues at PhD have really connected the dots between what connecting with multicultural audience could do for a business. Yeah, um, I think a great example at PhD, um, and it's, a, it's an account that we share uh, with uh, – with Essence at Group M is uh, Google. Um, they really. I've heard of them. <laughs> they're, you know, I, I think from from um, you know the outside of things, like you know, mm-hmm. Google probably is not a company that has the best relationship with multicultural consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they definitely want to change that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they're pushing. Um, you know, uh, this, this narrative that diversity is needed, uh, within Google and within the products that they produce and how they market them. Um, so a couple of years ago, you know, um, they, um, they started to kind of audit, you know, like how are we reaching Mm -hmm. multiple audiences from a media perspective across our products, you know, because Google, and this is Google outside of just like the, you know, Google search, but like their products like pixel, their phone, uh, the Chromebook, uh, the nest, um, you know, now they have Mm -hmm. Fitbit, have a a lot of, uh, you know, a strong portfolio and they really want to start leaning into Linux, uh, and black audiences, specifically Linux, because there was a huge gap, in terms of reach and you know this is something i always uh you know uh, mention uh to our client business leads right like my day-to-day uh is that if you do not have spanish language like and i'm just talking about from a linear perspective mm-hmm. you know for the bit like for the tv advertisers yep. right and yep. a lot of them uh is if they're not even talking to like uh, Univision or telemundo that's not even part of your plan and you still think that you're reaching hispanic audiences take a double look, right? Mm-hmm. Because you've got it. You, mm-hmm. If you don't have Spanish language TV on your plan, and, and and I'm talking about like, again, 80% of Hispanics are bilingual, but Spanish language still plays a strong part to your point about what's happening in Chicago, how Spanish, you know, yep. TV still mm-hmm. number one. Jay, that's happening. That's happening in New York, mm-hmm. Miami. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is on a weekly basis during sweeps, you know, like yep. you, you name it, they're, they're number one, especially uh, the local news. Mm-hmm. Um, you're reaching, you're re- like, let's say you're reaching, you know, a hundred percent of your general market, right? You're probably reaching 60% of your Hispanics, right? If, mm-hmm. Like off the bat, you're reaching only 60%. So you have a huge gap, right? Yeah deficiency yep. in your reach you need to account for that right that's something that we that, that's the first thing we had to do with google right we had to make sure that we got our tv straight we had to make sure that we we then looked at creative right they brought in um specific agencies to help uh with that uh and then it was all about like you know culture right like how do we celebrate these audiences not just during hispanic heritage month and black history yep. month like 52 weeks a year right um, but th- but let's use those moments as a, a way to really kind of um, you know have a climax with our campaigns, like like a lot of brands do with the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you know we did that uh, with uh, the black consumer uh, last year. One of my favorite campaigns 
And I, um, I, you know, urge the audience to go Google this. Right? It's, it's called Google the most search, a celebration of, of black history makers. And it was a campaign that really celebrated the fact that that and this what's beautiful about this. It came from an insight from uh, Google is that if you search not just like um, most search uh, athlete or most search musician, most search politician, it's always a, a, a black African-American figure. Super. Cool. And there was, there was a note that, like this is this is really cool. And then we kept on, you know, the team, the the brand studio team at Google, which mm-hmm. was uh, responsible for this creative, kept on kind of digging into this and the theme kept on going on. So what we did, they, they created this amazing uh, piece of uh, um, creative uh, that we uh, that we pushed out there during Black History Month using a mix of, you know, endemic media, mass reaching media, but really to showcase uh, the fact that, you know, uh, African-Americans, um, black Americans mm-hmm. aren't just athletes and musicians, yep. but they're everything out there. Right. And it really showcases uh, that, you know, multiculturals can be anything that they want to be. You know, but it's nice to see that that, that there's that someone has already achieved that milestone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we'll put that in the show notes. I'll get that link from you and we'll put it in there. I, I think it's a great pivot, and I know we only have a few minutes left, but I, I definitely want to follow up on that because I was recently, and, and that's awesome. And I think the honest conversation I've been having with people is that uh, black recognition, both in creative, in spend, is so long overdue. Um, but the reality is this DE&I conversation for many people has been, in my um, opinion, has been code for black. In case in point, I was just recently talking to um, a large financial institution, right, on a new business call, and they are making a billion-dollar pledge to DE&I, okay, investment uh, in media, in content, okay? And... They shared with us on the phone, they had 0% of their commitments to the Latinx audience. And we were talking about that, 0%. And they're like, we literally have to spend a billion dollars in this because we made that commitment. And and I think that's the other part of this is that, um, to your point, that's the part where I'm like, holy smokes, this is one in five Americans. And like, how can that be if we're talking DE&I? How can you not have, you know, how can you not have found there's so much opportunity out there? And so you wrote something recently that I thought was awesome uh, in the ad age article, one of the ad age articles that's linked to in this, in this podcast show notes, you offered several practical action items for brands or um, to get into the game. And I'll, I'll put the link in there uh, of the actual article, but share a couple of those highlights. How, how do you advise people to get into the game? Yeah, and and uh, Jay, you, you make a great point, right? Um, I, I think, and, and the DEI conversation, we really need to educate, and that's kind of what I've been doing with our uh, DEI lead at Omnicom, mm-hmm. is to make sure that people understand the differences with what DEI does, what is supplier di- diversity, and what is multicultural marketing, because mm-hmm. there are three distinct things that a lot of people are confusing. Some people are doing it just because they just don't know any better. And some people are doing it with purpose. Uh, so we have to make sure that we uh, that we really c- create those different swim lanes. There's a lot yep. of overlap synergies. But at the end of the day, like, I don't want to play the oppression Olympics, right? Let's not pit one marginalized group against the other. Agreed. Let's make sure that, you know, um, the rising tide lifts all boats. 
Um, and that's kind of what I'm here for. But I do see the same thing that you're seeing, Jay, in terms of, you know, we were having this conversation just recently at the ANA Multicultural Conference where, you know, um, a multicultural uh, targeted media player who's been in the space for so long is seeing that these big, you know, mass reaching companies, right? Mm hmm who've been ignoring these audience for so long now are getting into the game right and they're creating their own multicultural divisions and trying to take these dollars away from these smaller players who really have been in it to win it for decades mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and, and they're seeing that from the the media you know um the vendor side right and we're seeing it from the audience side too like let's make sure de and i doesn't drown multicultural the way that um the way that total market almost did yep. right from Decade. great point so, great point so, so we need to make sure we're doing that right so like some of the you know the tips that i had was like really kind of understand like what is your opportunity with the hispanic audience? like if we're talking specifically about you know the hispanic audience and i think that article kind of um spoke to that like let's talk about like what does this mean for your business right like your bottom line, like, like let's do the straight numbers in terms of if you lean in if you prioritize the hispanic audience like how does that affect your business, right? So I think the, the first one was like prioritizing Hispanic audience within your overall marketing and media strategies. Mm -hmm. Do not just bolt this on because if you bolt it on, you're not going to get anything out mm -hmm. of it, right? You really need to treat it with the due diligence that is is needed, right? Because you would never do that to your general market campaign. Do not do that to your Hispanic or your multicultural campaigns either. Mm -hmm. uh, the language barrier, like it's it's culture it's not language like let's language is a piece of it you know language uh you, Love language, language will be a, a critical part in terms of connecting with the audience but let's think language agnostic right like mm -hmm. if you look at netflix and you look at the top streaming shows on any given day you'll see a spanish language show right uh we start with casa de papel with uh with money heist from coming from spain mm -hmm. you see that a lot um and you're seeing that um now with uh you know um with uh, the korean show right the um, the, the squid? squid yeah 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 squid game um so you're seeing that come from just different countries but now i think you know like for example like a netflix is saying we need to produce spanish language relevant content for the u.s hispanic audience right it's great yes. that we're important but let's produce content that is relevant to these audiences uh let's grow the Latino creators media ecosystem, right? So how do we start investing in uh, minority owned, um, like not minority owned, but minority uh, voices? Like, you know, yep. these voices have been mm -hmm. marginalized for so long. We're doing that from an Omnicom media perspective with our diverse creators network, where we're trying to kind of focus on these diverse creators to make sure that we our clients could just quickly um, kind of insert themselves into this ecosystem rather than kind of going through the typical, you know, YouTubes of the world. Like how do we connect in, with them um, more, um, more directly and just kind of create more relevant content. And I think the last was like, just be more inclusive. Let's some, support some of the smaller independent uh, players out there um, that, you know, have been, uh, you know, ignored for too long. Right. Yep. So let's widen our um our consideration sets mm -hmm. right you know Sony and telemundo are great they bring reach but there are other players out there that can help you with you know your your creative that can help you in terms of you know reaching these audiences in a more niche fashion uh so there's a way for us 
uh, to support, you know, the, the big guns that, that do bring a lot of that scale. But let's focus on growing this ecosystem and making sure that we, we raise other media companies up as in the process. Awesome. Closing bell. We're a little bit on overtime here. And uh, but so two quick questions, uh, one last business and one for fun. So, Michael, uh, the one conversation that you cannot believe you're still having at the end of 2021 with brand marketers is fill in the blank. That 40, uh, again, that 40% of the U.S. is is multicultural. Like the fact that I'm still having this conversation that why aren't you investing in this market is beyond me. I thought we would be at a different phase. Yep. But um, it is what it is, you know, and uh, that's what that, that's what keeps me employed right now. Uh, so I'm going with it. Um, and, you know, um, yeah. So Awesome. And the final question for you, Bedside Bookstand, what are you reading for fun, Michael? I am reading uh, Ray uh, Dalio. Uh, he has a book uh, that he published a couple of years ago called Principles. Mm. Uh, huge hedge fund entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a great book. So I, I love uh, reading, you know, uh, those types of books because it's like a little mix of history you know theory advice all in layman terms so that's great and (laughs) and uh folks want to reach you best way to get a hold of you michael uh email um yeah Uh, folks are still uh calling me i i I have all these linkedin are you linkedin guy i'm a linkedin guy so you can definitely reach me on linkedin okay uh We'll link to that in our show notes. Michael Roca, thank you so much for your time, passion, and insights. Keep uh, keep up the great work. We're really admire what you've been doing and the, the articles you've been writing and the work that you're doing behind the scenes. Thank you for joining us on Brand Story, Inc. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.